Welcome to PlayerTrack.com podcast number two. I'm your host, Rob Reed. Last week, we looked at the top 20 overall outfielders in all of baseball from last year prorated. Today, the first baseman. Thank you for joining me again. I'm Rob Reed, your host of the PlayerTrack.com podcast. And today I am pumped up because we are so close to the start of spring training. That gets everything going. The Super Bowl's over. And my focus now exclusively on the sport of baseball. I'm amped up and hope that it can last through the season. I will not be playing in terrible, ridiculous amount of fantasy leagues this year. So I should be available all the time. Uh, most of the year. Hopefully, we'll pump out at least two podcasts a month as the year progresses. That, I think, is a reasonable goal, so I'm not trying to get every week, but every week is the the secret goal that I'm, I'm not talking about. Announcements before I begin looking at the top 10 first baseman. I'm really excited to announce. Well, I'm going to wait. That'll be your little temptation. I'll start out with the first announcement that every Wednesday at blogtalkradio.com slash player track on the fantasy sports channel network there run by Mark Ronick is uh, a replay of the last podcast that was done today, Wednesday, 2 p.m. Every Wednesday, 2 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And today it's going to be the top 20 outfielders. If you missed that, you can listen to the replay. It's broadcast every Wednesday. And then when that broadcast is over and uh, it will be over at about 2.42, I believe about 15 to 18 minutes where I will just be available to talk about what I talked about the previous week, correct any uh, mistakes that I might have made answer questions from the chat room, and in particular, answer questions from you if you'd like to participate live. There's a call-in number, 646-727-3964. Again, 646-727-3964. And during that live question and answer period every Wednesday at the end, you will be able to talk to me and ask any questions that you might have, and I'll do my best to answer them. Uh, some folks, you know, believe me to be an expert. I, it's just really an issue of longevity. I've been doing this a long time. I've made a lot of mistakes, and I can relay the mistakes that I made to you. The analysis that I do now and for the last five years as a result of the PlayerTrack.com uh, system has made me a winner. I didn't win last season because I was in so many fantasy leagues. I couldn't keep track. But forgetting last season, although I ended up, fifth out of 10 teams in my uh, money league. Uh, forgetting last season, the four seasons before that, I had two first place finishes in my money league that's very competitive, been in existence for over 15 years, and a third place finish. Uh, the other one I finished in, uh, I think, fourth or fifth as well. And before I established this playertrack.com system, I never won. I finally figured it out. And the solution was to compare all players against each other to determine who were the best ones and to create rankings. And that's what this is all about. Playertrack.com is your fantasy magazine on drugs. It is interactive. So you can manipulate statistics, you know, your fantasy magazine sitting there stat static. But what if you want to look at on base percentages or OPS? You want to see the rankings from that? You can do that in the hitters and pitchers. So check that out. 
It's only $19.99 for a full season, but if you want just the initial end-of-season rankings, it's only $9.99. That's it. That's the draft kit. Now, in that draft kit, you get the hitters' rankings, the pitchers' rankings. You get all of team versus team, which is really just sort of an Easter egg. It's just a fun thing if you have a favorite team and you want to see who the best players are against another team. That's cool. There's a player profile uh, section. You can participate in that without paying. You just need to sign up. If you have any fantasy questions, you can always ask questions on the player profile. But most important, the newest, most excited announcement, this was the teaser that I gave you. I have finally realized a dream that I've had since I first created this system. And that is the overall rankings function. The overall rankings function will allow you for multiple years it's all standard 5-5 but if you wanted for multiple years for instance to determine from 2005 which is as far back as it goes right now to 2009 it will tell you and I just entered it right now if you go to overall rankings at the top of the page from year 2005 to year 2009 position I'm going to set at first base Last year, games to qualify position, I'm going to put it at 20 because, remember, the only reason for these rankings and to check over multiple years is to determine who are still going to be the best players. And this will show you historically in the last five seasons who have been the best players. And the top five first basemen, this will be under raw stats, by the way, on all leagues, NL and AL, and all teams. Number one, of course, Albert Pujols. Number two, potential N- N- oh, sorry, potential AL MVP winner this year, Miguel Cabrera. Number three is nice to see here and definitely uh, should make you think Joey Votto. Number four, a guy who had a uh, an off year last year, a little bit compared to previous seasons, but it was still a very nice season as Lance Berkman. And number five, Mark Teixeira. Those are the top five first basemen among all first baseman statistics from 2005 to 2009 when they're all ranked together. And that's out of 58 possible first basemen under this scenario. So that gives you a little taste of what that's like. If you have any questions, suggestions on it, by all means, check it out. It is a labor of love of mine and I have responded and I always respond to suggestions from uh, other folks, listeners. Last year, somebody was wanted, uh, they were in like a 20 category league that included singles and doubles and triples. And I popped that in the system. There are under hitters and pitchers. I think it's about the same. There are uh, 20 some categories that you can sort and search under the hitters and pitchers ranking sections. All right, enough of the announcements. Now let's go with the top 10 first baseman in all of baseball. I'm sure it comes as no surprise that the number one first baseman in all of baseball in 2009 was Albert Pujols. Big deal, but it is deserving of comment because of uh, one of the things that I analyzed all through the beginning, the first half of the season when I was doing the podcast last year. The most amazing thing about Albert Pujols is the fact that his batting average on balls in play consistently fell just below league average. In this result, we have 58 total first basemen from last season who appear with a minimum zero at-bats. And the average player had a batting average on balls in play of 306. Albert's 304. The guy is a monster. He's in a class all his own. In the rankings, his batting average was second of the 58, RBIs fourth, runs first, home runs second, 
stolen bases three, third out of 58 with his 16 stolen bases. That stolen bases figure is notable. I know a lot of people, I, I listened to some podcasts uh, last, se- last season, stolen bases was a an issue. And, and this was uh, one of the things I commented on February 19th of 2009, almost a full year ago. And I said, I just heard on a podcast that said that Albert wasn't much of a stolen base option for first base. Well, of 21 first basemen with 500 minimum at-bats, he is tied for fourth in stolen bases with his seven. So that was really bad analysis. That's the, the bottom line is that was terrible analysis because first basemen are notorious for getting stolen bases. Now, his 16 sort of came out of nowhere, doubling his more than doubling his previous output. But you don't get Albert Pujols. You don't give him the big bucks for the stolen bases. Stolen bases is icing on the cake, and it was extra special icing. It was the cherry on top last season. So enjoy that while you can. Pay a lot of money for Albert if you can. Uh, Certainly, I would love to. The last time I won the league, he anchored me. Uh, This was in the 2007 season when I won. So, yeah. There we go. Not much more to say about good old Albert Pujols, right? So let's move on. Number two, I enjoy seeing it with Ryan Howard of the Philadelphia Phillies. And why I enjoy seeing him here is generally one of the complaints that I've had from some folks who use the player track system is like, why Why is Ryan Howard ranked so you know low? Usually he'd be like in the bottom part of the top 10. And the reason was he wasn't a a super balanced player. He was a two-category player. Two-category, well, let's say three, because his run scored are, are around 100 or over 100. So he was three out of five. When there there were four out of five pitcher, uh, first basemen that were ahead of him, that was the, the reality. And so now he finally comes into his own. It's great to see coming in at number two with 141 RBIs last season, 45 home runs, a 279 batting average, eight stolen bases, only caught stealing once. But the eight stolen bases is the cool figure because 2005 to 2008, four seasons of potential stolen bases. And how many did Ryan have? Are you guessing seven? No, six, five, four, three, two, two. Two stolen bases in the previous four seasons. And he comes out and quadruples that amount in 2009. Can we expect that again? I'm not holding my breath for it, in which case his value will be less again next year. But his, he's still a monster with these figures. 48 home runs in 2008, 47 in 2007. As long as this guy stays healthy, the sky's the limit for him in those categories. Or, well, not the sky's the limit. What you see is what you get. That's the limit, and that's very, very good. The only issue with him is concern about the batting average. Of course, his, stolen, uh, his strikeout, sorry. But the the plus side is he had, let's see, 616 at-bats was actually the most in his career so far. And the great, greatest thing is that he cut his strikeouts. And can we hear an applause? Yeah, very good. You should be applauding. Good job, Ryan. It shows you're showing a little bit more plate discipline. Your on-base percentage didn't really uh, show for it. So it's not an issue of taking a walk so much as it is that you're connecting with the ball. Your contact rate still is lousy, Ryan, at 69%, but that's 2% higher than it was in 2008 and 7% higher than it was in 2007 when he got the record for strikeouts. That was 100. This is for strikeouts, man. This has been a weird three or three years. 
Ryan Howard gets the record for single-season strikeouts in 2007, and then Mark Reynolds comes out and then beats, ties the record, beats the record, and then beats his own record again. Uh, uh, Mark Reynolds, man. We'll be hearing about him in a little bit. So Ryan Howard, the thing that I'm concerned about is his batting average and balls in play. If there's anything to say about him in that category of batting average, he has nowhere to go but down, I would say, unless all of a sudden he gets this amazing amount of luck. He's still an incredibly valuable player, top tier, first round. I would say absolutely worth that because of the number of home runs and RBIs and runs scored that he gets in standard 5-5. But in 2008, Batting average on balls in play, 289. If it went back to 289 again, he actually would have hit worse than the 251 he hit in 2008. So we could have a huge drop-off of his uh, batting average. I would say the farthest that it probably will go is 250-ish. More likely than not, I see high 260s for him. So you better solidify, shore up batting average elsewhere because Ryan Howard's going to, he has the potential to slaughter you in that category, but he has the potential to lift you up in those three power categories. So it's awesome. Moving on to number three, Kevin Euclid. Kevin Euclid is another juggernaut as well. And, and if I don't say it later, the, the, the thing about first base is you don't need to get these high paying, you know, the, the players that you're going to need to pay a lot of money for because first base is really deep. You could sa- you could save that money for other positions for sure. Uh, in my case, though, I mean, it just feels good to have Albert Pujols on your team, doesn't it? So, yeah, yeah people in my league, they listen to this. I gave uh, player track for the holidays to some of you. And hi, if you're listening. Yeah, Albert Pujols, yeah, I'm looking at. So, yeah, you're going to end up bidding him up, aren't you? All right, well, I hope you pay 65 for him then. Anyway, number three, Kevin Euclid. And I talked about him on the uh, blog entry that I wrote on December 10th. Of last year he was one of the luckier hitters in all of baseball last season in terms of just looking at his batting average on balls and playing his contact rate his contact rate stunk Euclid's uh, was 74 percent contact rate so he struck out a good number of times it was 125 times in 491 at bats um, but the, the thing was at the end of 2008 we could see easily that he had finally arrived he's in the classic bell curve if you look at his player ranking graph and his player profile player track, you can see just going from down all the way to up. And right now he's peaking. Uh, he may have nowhere to go but down. But if he does go down, it's not going to be far. It could very well be a what you see is what you get scenario here. His batting average on balls in play from the previous season of 2008 went up about 16 points. It's about 30 points ahead of what it was in 2007. And basically what that means is we could see his batting average go down to the 270s to 280s. It's possible, but he's still one of the highlight first basemen in the league. Seven stolen bases, one less than Ryan Howard, but four more than he had the previous season. He didn't get caught stealing that many times. He's going to get anywhere between three and and eight stolen bases probably when all is said and done. But another player that you don't get for stolen bases. Number four is a guy that shows the effectiveness of the player track system because I was really amped up on number four, Joey Votto, uh, coming in when he came into the 2008 season. After just a brief stint in 2007 when he hit four home runs and 84 at-bats, had 17 RBIs and hit 321. Player Track had ranked him as the overall uh, player number 34 among, you know, the 500 some maybe 400 some odd offensive players under proration. 
So the potential for him was there, and the prorated statistic that it gave him almost put him exactly where he ended up in in 2008. And that made me really pleased because I'm like, wow, the system looks like it's really working. And then he continued in 2009 to only get better. And we just got to get him a full season. If we can, he can avoid some injury. He missed most of June last season as a result of injury. And regression in batting average, this is what I said in uh, my 2010 forecast form that I wrote on December 10th, was that uh, the regression in batting average is a high likelihood. But he turns 27 near the end of the 2010 season. So arguably this is his rule of 27 year, maybe mixed with next. So I don't believe we've seen his best uh, yet. I said that I still like Votto as a number one first baseman, but the lack of a track record is the thing that I, I think makes him a relatively risky bet. But he's somebody that I'm definitely targeting. Last season at 25 home runs and 469 at-bats, so 30 home runs is a definite deal. He got he had seven stolen bases in 2008 and 526 at-bats, so 10 stolen bases on the year is not a stretch, notwithstanding the fact that he only had four last year. His on-base percentage, he came into his own, was 4.10. The thing that concerns me, again, is like what I said earlier. Why do I think the regression in batting average is a high likelihood? Because his batting average on balls in play, folks, 3.73 with only a 77% contact rate. The previous season, his batting average on balls in play was 3.30, and in the 84 at-bats he had in 2007, it was 3.54. 330-ish is probably where his batting average in balls in play would be. It could even falter a little bit more, meaning that his batting average is probably more likely going to be in the 280s to maybe the high 200s if you're lucky. More likely the low 290s to the mid-280s is what I would predict for him. That batting average on balls in play meant that he was a very, very lucky camper last year, and that is likely not to uh come to fruition again this year. Still love Joey Votto. Number five is another player that you have to love, just another power juggernaut along with Ryan Howard. They sort of go hand in hand, these two guys. Of course, the reason Ryan Howard beats Prince Fielder, number five this year, is because of those eight stolen bases because Prince only had two. Uh, The batting average, though, for Prince, 299 which was awesome. Now, what can we say about that as it is reflected with the batting average on balls and play and contact rate? Well, his batting average on balls and play was just slightly above what it was the previous season when he hit 276. In, in uh, 2008, the batting average on balls and play was league average of about 305. And last season, 322, like I said. But a 23-point jump in batting average with a 17-point jump in his batting average on balls and play. His contact rate went down slightly, so he struck out just a few times more than he did the previous season. Why you get Prince Fielder is because of the home runs, the the RBI power. It should be noted he was a big disappointment in those categories in 2008 um, because he came off a 50-home run season in 2007 with 119 RBIs and had 16 fewer home runs last season Forty er, in, in 2008. He had 12 more home runs in 2008 and 2009 the question becomes if we're going to see a trend and you can see this with some players like off the top of my head this isn't an offensive player but Javier Vasquez is one of those players pitcher of course who has alternate years that just like great one year like superb he's he's a great pitcher in terms of uh, strikeouts for sure but you get like elite stats and then next year not so elite just good then the next year elite then the next year not so good and so that's the wonder with Prince Fielder 
uh, because in 2006 he only had 28 home runs. So he went 28 home runs, 50 home runs, 34 home runs, 46 home runs. Is this year going to be in the 30s or in the high 20s? I think he's coming to his own. I think that uh, 40, 35 to 40 home runs is a lock for Prince Fielder. Is he going to get 141 RBIs like he had last season? Uh, that remains to be seen. There was a lot of concern for him at the start of last season because he started slow. Uh, and the the note I'll make for you, and just keep this as a mental note for you if you end up with Prince Fielder, is he started slow in 2008. He started slow in 2009, very slow in 2009. And if he starts slow again in 2010, just chill out, relax, Okay. I said that uh, this was in April April 21st of 2009. Somebody was concerned about him. I said, Fielder's a great player. He started out slowly last season, too. After hitting a ton in the first few games, he ended April 2008 with a 250 average and only four home runs. Fielder's a great player to grab now if you can for cheap, but savvy owners know better. Be a savvy owner. Know better. And, and this should be your attitude with all players anyway, is that if you have a notoriously great player who's starting off slow – well, then you just ride it out, baby. Wait a minute. Do you hear that sound? It must be that I'm about to talk about number six, Mark Reynolds, the potential jaws of your team who's going to eat you up and swallow your team whole in the batting average category. He hit a wonderful 260 last year, which made Mark Reynolds incredibly valuable because usually... In the past, he's 239. The year before that, he hit 279. But uh, the 239 that he had in 539 at-bats in 2008 was with an above-average batting average in balls in play of 329. His contact rate, folks, last season, 61%. The season before, 62%. Now, certainly reflective of just a guy who strikes out or hits a home run. 44 home runs. In 578 at-bats, I made a comment. He, he struck out 223 times. <laughs> Major League record, 223 times. Do you want to risk with this guy? All right, you know, you can go for it. The thing that made his ranking so high as well, notwithstanding a 260 batting average, is 24 stolen bases. 24 stolen bases, and the fact that he added multi-position eligibility. That's interesting. He was only a third baseman before. He qualifies at first and third going into next season. So I always love that, especially if you get, you know, we talked about first baseman not being a stolen base category, which it isn't, you know, a place where you get stolen bases. But if you have a first baseman who gets you 24, yikes. The previous season, Mark Reynolds had 11. He was only thrown out twice then, 11 out of 13. 2009, he had 24 out of 33. He was thrown out nine times. 102 RBIs was a career high. 98 runs, a career high. 44 home runs, obviously a career high. 30 doubles, a career high. 150 hits, a career high. Uh, it, wow. You know, just every 346 was just barely a career high from the 366 at bats. He had a 345. On base percentage in 2007. In 2007, in the 366 at bats, he didn't have a single stolen base. So, what's the deal with the 24 stolen bases? I I don't know. I don't know, man. I, I wish I could tell you. I I can't uh, I can't get excited about this guy for what he's gonna go for. Okay, I traded for him in 2008. 
looked like a genius because all of a sudden he was hitting for power. I saw some potential there because uh, in early 2008, uh, I had mentioned the fact that in 2007, he had 17 home runs and 366 at-bats. The you know, 40, 40 plus home run potential was there. Uh, well, I don't know if, I mean, cl- I, don't, I didn't see that. I saw maybe 35, but that's close. Um, so when he started tearing it up, I said it shouldn't be much of a surprise as in 2008. Um, but the bottom line, like the conclusion I came to earlier this year is I believe he's a 240 hitter who had a good amount of luck last year. And I think 30 home runs, 10 stolen bases is probably the name of his game in 2010. And so you put that with a 240-ish average, he becomes a cheaper Adam Dunnish type player, but I, I think I'd still rather have Adam Dunn. You know, I know, I know Adam Dunn's playing in a, a more anemic offense perhaps, and, um, and he had sort of a, a down year for him, but not much last season. But I consistency-wise, long you know, looking at the long haul, done done as a player that I'd rather have than a Mark Reynolds, uh, and sort of handcuff my batting average here in a first base position where uh, there are good options that we're going to talk about shortly for batting average. So. Word to the wise there, you know, he, maybe what you see you could get in 2010 too. I just don't see it. I think a 260 average for Mark is high. And when you hear that, if that doesn't make you your stomach groan, then I don't know what will. Number seven, though, is a guy who I think could be the, the MVP of the American League this year. I predicted it last year. And so I, I figure if I keep pre- make predicting the same thing, it's sort of like me predicting the Dodgers are going to go to the playoffs since, you know, I was doing that since 1998. It's bound to happen if I keep saying it and keep saying it. Uh, anyway, Miguel Cabrera, number seven, Detroit Tigers, predicted to be gangbusters a few years ago when they picked him up, and that didn't happen. I think that was the year they went like 1-17 in 17 to start the season. I, I don't know. I'm digressing. Fantasy is our focus here. Who cares about that stuff? Miguel Cabrera back to regular form comes in at number seven and still, I believe he's under 27. I think he's 26 or, you know, so I mean, this guy, this is a guy who this guy's the limit for 127 RBIs. He had in 2008, 119, 2007 had a drop off of 103 last season that could come back up. The great thing to see with good old Miguel Cabrera is that his batting average came back to the 320s. And that is where he is, uh, as far as I'm concerned. When he hit 320 in 2007, his batting average in Boston play was 360. So you can tack that up to some luck. But last season, he hit above that 324 with uh, about 11 points below in his batting average in Boston play. When he hit 292, which is still really respectable in 2008, his batting average on balls in play was slightly above league average in 316. I think he is a, a just a studly hitter. I think 340 batting average on balls in play is probably where we can consider reasonable. He cut his strikeouts last season. That was a plus. 82% contact rate versus 79 and 78% in the previous two years. Uh, you got to love him. This is another juggernaut, another reason why first base is just stacked, and definitely another reason why, I mean, Mark Reynolds overall was a slightly better fantasy player last season at first base, but would you choose Mark Reynolds over Miguel Cabrera? You're nuts, man, unless you can get him for a lot cheaper. I'm hoping that there's going to be some, I mean, certainly Miguel Cabrera is the target of, of most anybody, but I'm hoping that maybe people won't be as willing to pay as much money for him, uh, considering a little bit of a drop in the home runs and certainly his RBIs. 
That's probably wishful thinking. He had an uptick in his stolen bases as well. Nine stolen bases he had in 2006. He had six last year. He only had uh, one in 2008 and two in 2007. In on-base percentage leagues, he's a no-brainer. Since 2004, since 2005, he's had 380 and above in on-base percentage, except for the down year in 2008 when the Tigers started off so slowly. So, yeah, my pick for the AL MVP stud across the board. You should put up the same numbers or better. Enough said about Miguel Cabrera. Number eight. This is a guy that I joked about with a guy in the office. We came up with a a uh, a nickname for him. This guy in the office is a raunchy character. So when he calls Kendry the Cuban snake, you can imagine what he's referring to. This is Kendry the Cuban snake Morales. Let's see if we can get that... Uh, <laughs> nickname going. What does it mean? I don't know. Your guess is as good as my office mates, but I, in general, if you know what Ranchi was, you know exactly what he's talking about. But Kendry Morales, man. Kendry Morales was a guy that I picked up in uh, my money league in the farm in midseason, I think the year before, and just didn't get any playing. You know, I thought potential when he first was brought up. He tore up the minor leagues when he first came in, just launching stuff. And so when he came into the league and uh, in 2008 and 61 at-bats hit three home runs, but hit four home runs in 119 at-bats, it looked like, okay, this kid's like 25 home run potential, and that's really cool. Then Kapow gets playing time with the Angels, 34 home runs, 108 RBIs. He has no business running. He, he had three stolen bases and 10 attempts. Yikes. So... That won't happen. You, you will see very few stolen bases from this guy. But the 306 batting average is the thing you go, oh, okay. The, his batting average on balls in play was not crazy at 335. In the 119 at bats he had in 2007, when he hit 294, his batting average on balls in play was 330. Uh, he is probably around an 80% contact rate hitter, which is about league average. 306 may be slightly high in average for this this guy, but 290s, mid-280s, I think at the lowest, he's a very, very solid option at first base. Came out of nowhere, sort of like a Carlos Pena, but Carlos Pena with a better batting average. So I, I love this guy. He ended the, this is what I said in the comments, he ended the 2009 season as the uh, second best first baseman with a minimum 200 at-bats in all of the American League. The important question is, is he for real? And I said, well, he has no business running, like I told you already. In six minor league seasons, Kendry Morales had a three fifty four batting average on balls in play. You know that's high. If you follow that statistic, that's high. That means in the six seasons, every time he hit the ball, it, connected, it went in the hole and for a hit 35% of the time. There's no reason for him to regress then. His OPS 927. Just a very exciting player, a player that I love. And you heard me last week talk about Tori Hunter, Bobby Abreu, elements in that lineup that I really like. Hideki Matsui added to the mix. Juan Rivera, who I think is a very deep sleeper. I predicted him as a sleeper last season, and he he proved me right. He did a lot better than most folks would expect. Juan Rivera could do even better this year. If you really stare at the Anaheim Angel lineup, and I call him Anaheim, you know why if you listen to the podcast, they're good, and I think they're going to win this whole thing again. That squad is very good. I know that Seattle made a lot of moves this past season, but Anaheim, just really look at that lineup. 
amazing elements. And one of the reasons is just because Kenry Morales is there. So you get Kenry Morales and all those players around him are going to hit really well. Very excited about the Angels, even though I don't like the team. But any, I'd love to have any of those guys on my squad. Looking, Moving on after Kendry comes a player who I absolutely adored. First year that I picked player track, Derek Lee was the 12th ranked first baseman in, in all of baseball and with signs that he could get better. And that was the year that he hit 46 home runs. I picked him uh, late. I think it might have been 12th round or something. And wow, did he prove dividends. But when he came back, and if you remember when he broke his wrist, only had 175 at-bats in 2006 and eight home runs. And since then, just has not been the same player in terms of power. But he's still been very good. And last season showed signs that maybe the power problem was as a result of the wrist because he hit 35 home runs last season. So Derek was back last year to the uh, to the excitement of Cubs fans everywhere. And certainly for, for me, who is a fan of Derek Lee, because I picked him up that first year that I had player track and he helped me to win the league that first year. Seeing 35 home runs, 111 RBIs, 91 runs scored with a 306 batting average, everything about Derek you got to like. Now let's look and see potential for regression, though. What, his batting average on balls in play, only 330. Now, since looking at, uh, since 2004, 2004 was his lowest batting average in balls in play when it was a round league average at 306. Since then, his lowest batting average on balls in play is a tie, actually. Or actually, last year was his lowest batting average on balls in play of 330. So there are two years where he had 333, and that was in 2006 and 2008. To get a guy who had his lowest batting average in balls in play, meaning that his batting average should should have been higher last year. That means his batting average should have probably been or could have potentially been as high as 315 plus, maybe 320. That makes him potential top five next year. I don't see any reason for Derek Lee to slow down all that much, except for the fact that I don't think there are a lot of elements in that lineup that are supporting him all that much. He's He's kind of a a one-man band there. But somebody to watch, 79% contact rate last season. That sounds like it might have uh, faltered a little bit, but that might be because he's starting to look for the long ball. Uh, actually, yeah, well, that's about what he is, 79% to 80%, which is, I think, about league average, maybe a little slightly below. But Derek Lee, a guy that I love, a guy that people might not realize. I mean, he's a, as I was sitting here, I'm doing these rankings on the fly. I didn't realize he had 35 home runs last year. So, uh, yeah, he's back. That's why I sort of made the comment looking at the, the two previous years following the 46 home runs going, well, he sort of lost his power. Oh, 35. Okay. A guy who had his power and uh, just didn't get some of the other categories, probably because he's not a stolen base threat at all. He's had... Uh, two stolen bases last season. I'm talking about Mark Teixeira. When you have the 10th best first baseman in all of baseball last year as this juggernaut Mark Teixeira, that's what should make you wonder if you really need to pay all that money for Albert Pujols. I don't know. Last year, 39 home runs. I think that may not wasn't a career high. 43 was a career high in 2005 when he hit those for the Angels. The Yankees were certainly very pleased the Yankees win the World Series. The Yankees still have a very nice lineup uh, to hit around for Mark, and he should bring in a lot of folks, like his 122 RBIs in, in uh, 2009, 121 RBI he had in 2008. 
in on-base percentage leagues, it's a no-brainer. This was his lowest on-base percentage since 2006, actually, when he had two, he hit three, 371 on-base percentage in 2006. Last year was 375. Year before that, 408. Year before that, 394. I'm in my money league's on-base percentage. We may change that, but he becomes much more valuable in an on-base percentage league for sure. 44th overall ranked player in proration and player track. Mark Teixeira is for real. His batting average on balls in play actually was uh, knocked down a little bit from the previous season. It, it was reasonable, but he is a 300 hitter. So you get a 300 hitter out of this guy, 120 some odd RBIs, 35 plus home runs. Unbelievable, especially at ranked at number 10. I'm going to do something special. That that finishes up the top 10, but I still have a little bit extra time to talk about some other names. You know, if if those guys didn't appear in the top 10, I'm going to do an overall ranking search right now uh for from year 2008 to 2009. The only addition that I get in the top 10 is uh Lance Berkman. Lance Berkman should not be forgotten, folks. Uh, looking at Lance Berkman, who actually is the third best overall first baseman in standard 5-5 five five for the, the, over the course of the last two years. Well, let me read what I said about Lance Berkman on February 8, 2009. I said he's the whole package. He usually was a slow start in recent seasons, but he came up huge early last season. But his second half in 2008 was pretty dismal by comparison. In 2008, he was the number one fantasy player in all of baseball actually when you looked at raw stats standard 55 150 minimum at bats and 20 games played at a position um and i said that his overall rank under proration at player track seemed to go down every other year it's like i talked about with javier vasquez and i mentioned with prince fielder sort of an up down potential scenario well lance berkman was the same Lance Berkman, let's just go back and forth. I think I probably talked about this last season. In 2004, Lance Berkman was the 10th overall outfielder. That's all he qualified then. Then he qualified for first from 2005 on. So let's just talk about him as an overall player. Ranked 17th overall proration 2004. 45th overall 2005. 15th in 2006. 46th in 2007. Second in 2008. And 66th last year. What does that mean? That means, I think, a progression from Lance. I know he's older. I know it's a risky uh, scenario. And I do know that the thing that made him so valuable, he was the number one fantasy player in 2008 uh, with the 150 minimum at-bats, was the fact that he had 18 stolen bases then, which was a huge jump. And then he went back to seven. Maybe this is a reflection for you people that are high in Mark Reynolds thinking that you know he's going to have 20-plus stolen bases again. Mark Reynolds had 11 the previous season, then 24-ish or whatever I said, I forget. Could very well be 11 again because looking at Lance Berkman, Lance Berkman had seven stolen bases in 2007, 18 in 2008, and then seven again in 2009. But Lance Berkman on base percentage, 400, 417 in 2008, 382 in 2007, 2006 and 420. Uh, it was 420. The bottom line is this guy gets on base. He only had 416, 460 at-bats last year because of some injury problems. People may not pay attention to that. They may think he's just a 25 home run guy. He is 30-10. I think he's 30, solid 30-10. His batting average on balls in play was uh, 
probably has the potential to go up maybe an additional 20 points. He is more likely, in my view, a high 280 to 290 hitter. He only hit 274 last year. And I believe Lance Berkman will be once again back in the top 10 first baseman this coming year. Don't forget about him. Some other folks, I mean, again, this is how deep this this uh, cat, this position is. Adrian Gonzalez and his 40 home runs last year. Justin Morneau and his 30 home runs. We have Garrett Jones, who's somebody you need to look at from Pittsburgh, who had 21 home runs and 314 at-bats. Real exciting player there, just not an exciting place to play. Uh, I, I think I might I did talk about him uh, last week. He was the last player I talked about. He came in at number 20 in outfield, so his multi-position eligibility first base and outfield is valuable as well. Don't forget Adam LaRoche, 25 home runs. Adam Dunn, 38 home runs. Carlos Pena, 39 home runs. Paul, Pablo Sandoval, 25 home runs, and he hit 330 last season. Uh, Billy Butler had 21 home runs, and he hit uh, 300. Everyone's talked about Billy Butler being a batting average dude, and that's exactly what he is, but he's showing a, a lot of pop too. Paul Canerco last year had 28 home runs. Nick Swisher had 29. Michael Kadire, 32 home runs. That was a huge jump, so maybe a little bit of caution should be taken there. Um, I think I talked about him last week too because he uh, he's also outfield qualified, which is something that to consider. Victor Martinez is qualified at first base, had 23 home runs, but obviously you want to get him a catcher. But to get a catcher with that multi-position eligibility is awesome. Helton came true to my prediction uh, that his batting average was going to come back up. He had a huge hit to his batting average, but it was because he suffered from so much bad luck, and that was related to his batting average and the balls in play. And his contact rate, his contact rate is so high. And once again, the 355 batting average and balls in play last season, 86% contact rate, translated to 325 average. Helton is a guy uh, that you may want to think about, but he, he's in the, uh, he's a late game pick, I think, if you're suffering from, from, you need some serious batting average. Hank Blaylock is a guy who could hit 30 home runs. He's just got to find a team. Uh, the rumor mill had him going potentially to Detroit. Garrett Atkins is definitely a guy to look at. And also, you know, it's uh, hit hard by uh, injury woes. And like Carlos Delgado is also somebody not to forget. But again, Carlos Delgado in City Field. Um, looking at some others as I go down the list, I think uh, that will, uh, we'll leave it at that. I'm going to talk real quickly about uh, Garrett Atkins. Garrett Atkins moves to Baltimore. That doesn't make me incredibly excited, but here's what I said on December 12th, and that was the day, that was his birthday. <laughs> the title of my at the player profile thing that I wrote was for Garrett Atkins. Happy birthday. We don't want you. The Rockies have non-tendered, the Rockies have non-tendered Atkins, which is to be expected, but he was the huge recipient of bad luck last year. Now, if we look at batting average and balls and play in contact rate as a reflection of somebody getting bad luck when it, the batting average and balls and play so low, it's true. It's it's absolutely true. It's why I pay so much attention to it and why you should. I mean, the only reason, again, like I told you, that people consider me somebody that, you know, the expert, I throw that word around, is just because through experience, I found that this is what you look at. If you want to know whether a player is going to regress or progress, you look at batting average and balls and play plus contact rate. It just makes sense. And you see, if their average was low, if it's due to come up, if they have a high contact rate and a low batting average on balls in play. And here is the information on Atkins. Atkins batting average on balls in play last year, 247. 
and 354 at-bats, translating to a 226 average. A lot of people are going to forget about Garrett Atkins. I don't think you should be the one, because even in Baltimore, he could be great. Bad luck was the reason for that season last year. A different park will be a reason for dwindling fantasy value, I said, next year. And Baltimore, I don't think, is is the worst ballpark to hit in. But I think Garrett Atkins' batting average should easily return to 280 to 300 level. And you get that guy through a full year who hit 21 home runs in 2008 in a full year, 25 home runs in 2007, 29 home runs in 2006. And I think he's only in his, uh, I think he's in his late 20s right now. So Atkins is a guy that I really like a lot, and I think you should definitely consider him. One last choice, and I, I'm just going to give this guy a little bit of a shout-out. Just throw out his name because he's somebody in the end game you should be thinking about too who was being thought about very highly last season, who may still be on the lips of uh, some of the players in your league, potentially, but his batting average was so horrific last year. I'm talking about Chris Davis. Now, Chris Davis, the pundits were you know, jumping all over me because I'd said in, in Fantasy Baseball Index magazine, uh, it, which I'm also in now, available at your local bookstore probably. I'm sure it's at a Barnes & Noble Fantasy Baseball Index, and I'm in the uh, the expert magazine. So go check that out. It also has a coupon code in that magazine. So if you don't want to pay $19.99 for a season pass at Player Track, you get $5 off if you use that coupon code. So check that out. There's a little teaser, a little Easter egg for you. But I'm talking about Chris Davis. Chris Davis, I predicted to have the, the sophomore slump last season, and I was right. Just had a lot of problems, couldn't get it together. He is a power guy, you know, and he had 21 home runs and 391 at-bats. 30 home runs is easy for Chris Davis given a full season. And as of right now, you know, he's on the depth chart for the Texas Rangers as the starting first baseman. So he's not somebody you want to forget about. In that band box, he's going to hit a ton of home runs given a full season. Is he going to have a terrible batting average like that, 238? Well, this is why pundits were jumping on me, because in the minors, he had a career in the minors of of batting average and balls in play in the 350s, I believe, when I checked. I'm going off memory. And last season, his batting average and balls in play was only in the 330s, maybe. So I think that Chris Davis is probably 260, 270 uh, type player. And if he can hit 30-plus home runs and come closer to the high 30s, which I think is very possible, then he's an incredibly cheap Adam Dunn, who I think you can get near the end game, and you, you may want to think about it, uh, especially in a place that that uh, pays more attention to what have you done for me lately as opposed to what have you done or what could you do. Chris Davis is somebody who could totally uh, come close to 40 home runs and help to carry you in the power category and you know, when you have all of these first basemen that people are going to fill up early that I've already mentioned, he, they, they might all be filled up and Chris Davis is sitting out there at the end waiting for you to pop him in for next to nothing in an auction league. That's what I'm hoping for this coming year. Again, people in my league listen to this and now you, now you know. Okay, great. I'm a moron for doing this podcast, but I hope it helps you. That will do it for this podcast. Now at Blog Talk Radio, if you're listening at Blog Talk Radio, we've got about uh, 10-ish minutes to do a little question and answer session and where I might also comment on any mistakes that I might have made today and talk about some of the questions that may have been posed in the chat room during this replay broadcast of the show. 
Thank you for listening. Sign up at playertrack.com. There is a coupon code, like I said, in the Fantasy Baseball Index magazine where you could save $5, so you can check that out. Get the, It's a great-looking magazine with Albert Pujols on the cover. Thank you again for listening. I am Rob Reed of playertrack.com and baseballgeeks.com. Fantasy questions can be sent to me at rob at playertrack.com. You can also subscribe to this podcast at iTunes, and feel free to leave a rating if, if you think it's valuable. If you think this sucks... You probably haven't listened this long anyway, so I'm glad I mentioned ratings now. But if you like the show, rate it highly on iTunes. I'm starting fresh. It doesn't have any ratings. And uh, appreciate your support. God bless you, and I will see you next week looking at the second baseman.